Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right. That's good. <laughs> Galatians 6.10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. That's a good verse, isn't it? You see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. This is Paul, the apostle, writing here to the church at Galatia. And we all understand that Paul suffered with, uh, uh, with blindness, with eye problems, and, and uh, this is kind of a testament to his sacrificial love toward the church. He says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. You understand this, this business of circumcision? The point that Paul's trying to make is, hey, there's folks that would try to put the law back on you to, to make them look good, uh, to keep the law. Uh, he says, but, but they themselves, those that try and enforce others to keep the law, they themselves don't even keep the law. He says... Verse 14, this is kind of the verse I wanted to get to. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto this unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but look at this, but a new creature. You know, Paul loved the church. He, if, you, if you read and study the life of Paul, Paul gave his life for the church and the church is. And he did that as following the example of Jesus Christ who also gave his life for the church. Paul said, I will not glory in anything save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul the Apostle, he had some things that he could have gloried in. Paul, Paul the Apostle... In, 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 and just a worldly achievement, he was, a, he was in Philippians, if you look at that passage in Philippians chapter 3, he says, if anybody has confidence in the flesh, I, I more. He said, hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews touching the law. He said, I was a Pharisee. In the sense, he said, I was blameless. I kept the law of God. He said, I was perfect in those things. But he says, but I didn't know Christ. He was lost at that point. We understand that later Paul was converted on, the, on his, uh, when, he, when he saw the light. He said, all these things I count, for, I count as lost for Christ. He says, that I may win Christ. He says, my worldly achievement will not get in the way of the glory of Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. Paul the Apostle, he also could have gloried in his spiritual achievements in the sense that I mean, Paul the Apostle got that great revelation, the revelation, the mystery of the church. He said, hey, I was caught up to the third heaven. Remember that? And all these sort of things. He got the revelation of the church. Not just that. He spent his life planning churches and starting churches and ministering. And he wrote most of our New Testament. 
I mean, he, if he wanted to glory in some spiritual achievements, he could have done that. You know, he also could have gloried in his suffering for the cross of Christ. We read that passage in 2 Corinthians in 11. He says, as a, you know, he said, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons often, in deaths often. He says, of the Jews five times received, died, 40 stripes saved, one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, I suffered shipwreck a day and a night in the Jeep, and perils often, and perils of water, perils of robbers, he says, and all these sort of things. And, and he says, in the, daily, in the daily care of the church, he carries on his shoulder. I mean, if Paul wanted to glory in some things that he had done, he could have, but he said, I won't. In, in other words, he's saying, hey, there's people that are trying to put the law on you and trying to make you look a certain way. He said, they themselves aren't doing that. He says, I'm not going to glory in my spiritualness. I'm not going to glory in my achievements. I'm not going to glory in anything but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was nothing more important to Paul than the cross of Christ. You know, this cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, it stands between us and the law. You know what the law does? He says you're guilty. I mean, when we see the law, even in the New Testament, the law is used as a, as a schoolmaster to show us that we need Christ, that we need a Savior, that, hey, we have sinned. The, show, the law shows us that we're a sinner. But what's the cross stand for? The cross stands to show that our sins have been paid for. Amen. Our sins have been paid for. If we'll only humble ourselves and receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ can reconcile us to God. The preaching of the cross. When we think of the preaching of the cross, I've got to ask you this question. Is there any message more needed than the preaching of the cross? To this whole world. Is there any message more powerful or more impactful? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But, he says this, Unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. He says, hey, the preaching of the cross, you know, is foolish to some folks. Why do we get so excited about a cross? Why do we get so excited? Why are we so moved and impacted by the cross? Hey, for those that are saved, it is the power of God in our lives. Never underestimate the power of the cross. Never underestimate the simple story of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we think, well, we've got to have some more complex uh, way to witness. Boy, just, just give them the cross and Christ crucified. That's simple. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The law, the law can change the old, right? I mean, if we keep the law, we could pretty much look good on the outside if we wanted to, couldn't we? If we really were self-disciplined enough and all that sort of thing. But you know what the cross of Christ does? It creates a new man inside, a new creature. And there is no greater power than the power of creation. I mean, to take nothing. That's what he does in us. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't put a new coat of paint on the old man when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He says, ye must be born again. 
That is, that is, that is new life that comes up, that is born by a seed in the blood of Jesus Christ, born of His nature. It's not the old man getting fixed up. It is a whole new man, new woman created in Christ Jesus. That is the power of the cross. You know, the testimony of someone's changed life, a new creature in Christ, I guarantee you, that is the greatest argument to critics. What can they say to that? I mean, this person was, you know, woo. And then they met Jesus Christ, and now they love people. Now they can forgive. Now they don't hold bitterness. Now they're concerned about other souls. How can that happen just through the simple message of Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. It is the power of God that has been at work in this world for 2,000 years, and for any rational person, it is undeniable. The power of the cross. Jesus said, I am the door. And it was at that cross that He opened up the door. It is a reminder to us. The cross of Jesus Christ is a reminder to us of the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. He is our great substitute. He took our place. That's what that means. When He died on the cross, He took our sins upon Himself. He took our place. A just and holy God requires a payment for sin. And Jesus Christ took that for us. It's that simple. He became our substitute, purifying us, purifying us from sin in the sight of God. That's what righteousness means. When, when the Bible says that Christ's righteousness was imputed to our account of salvation, that means that now, because of the new creature and the new creation, you are in right standing with God. That's righteousness. When He says you are justified through faith in Jesus Christ, that means... And I know this is hard for all of us to believe. It takes faith to believe it. But in the sight of God, it's just as if you never sinned. Justified. In the sight of God. That new man, that new creature. You said, well, yeah, I know I've sinned. But yeah, but that was the old man. The new man was created in righteousness. In true holiness. In the image of Christ. And in the image of God. It removes the guilt. The cross of Christ removes the guilt. Hey, sin has to be paid for. And it was paid on the cross of Calvary, taking our guilt away, setting us free. This cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate display of the love of God. You can say this, how do I know that God loves me? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. If you can just stand and look and and read the passages of Christ's crucifixion and not see the love of God toward you, In such a powerful way. He said, I will come myself and take your sin upon myself. In Hebrews it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You say, here at Wellspring, this isn't the first time you've preached a message on the cross. And it won't be the last. You know why? Because we have to keep our focus. If we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, well, that will help us out. It's really when we start to fall and when we start to mess up is when we get our eyes on each other or when we get our eyes on this world or we get our eyes on our own problems. If we keep our eyes on Him, we keep our eyes on the cross and we don't lose that focus, 
It will empower us, empower us in our lives. You can't look at the cross and not see the love of God. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If that doesn't do something for you, I don't know what would. I'm telling you, God commanded. He commanded. He said, I will love them. I will love them while they're a sinner, while they're against me, while they don't even think about me, while they don't even care about me, while all that they care about is themselves and their own pleasure and their own things. While they're in that state, I want to commend my love toward them. That is the love of God. And He shows it so openly on the cross. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given us. You understand that we receive and are sealed by the Holy Ghost the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And His love through the Holy Ghost, fills our hearts. Love is the first result of the Holy Ghost, or the first fruit of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says uh, the, the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, all the faith, meekness, temperance, all those sort of things. The first result of being filled with the Holy Ghost is the love of God. Shed abroad in our hearts takes away all the hate, takes away all those sort of things. And it's just that love. You know what will happen when we become filled with God's love? You know what will happen? We will start to love the same things that Christ loved. Christ loved sinners, did He not? I mean, He loved us. He loves all sinners. We're all sinners. He loved us. The Bible says that He loved this world, this lost world, in the sense of the people that are in it. Christ loves the church. He loves this church. He loves the corporate body of of Christ, meaning every believer that is baptized or put into Christ Jesus at salvation. He loves his, His bride. He loves the local church as a picture of the corporate church. This little assembly here, He loves it. Why? Because it's a picture of the corporate church, every believer in Christ, the bride of Christ. You say, how much does He love it? In Ephesians 5, 25, He says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You say, how does Christ love the church? He loves it so much that he gave himself for it. I don't know that there is a, a, you know, we talk about what, what is charity. Charity is love in action, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. What did he give? Himself. What he couldn't give anymore. He gave it all. He gave it all to us because he loved us. He loves the church. He loves the church. If you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I believe that you'll begin to have love for the same things that this is where Paul got his example. Paul loved the church. He sacrificed his body for it. If you read his 30-year ministry and his mission journeys and all these things, he sacrificed everything, his, his time, his everything. You know, Christ even loved Corinth. 
the church at Corinth. It was a it was a carnal church. We see that when we read when we read the the uh, first and second Corinthians. Christ loved the carnal church. He loves it. You say, well, she wasn't much to look at the church at Corinth. Yeah, but God loved it. It was his bride. I'd be fearful to turn down, tear down the bride of Christ, the church. He loves it. I ask you this morning to consider the cross. Consider the cross of Christ. How does it affect you? How does it affect you? It has to affect you some way. There is influence in the cross of Christ. I believe that it is just as powerful today as 2,000 years ago when His blood was spilt. Has the same strength, has the same potency, has the same power today. The cross of Christ. If you're unsaved, if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, then He, through His love, is drawing you to Himself. If you are saved for us, the cross, the gospel message, is the power of God. It's what empowers us. Hearing the gospel message should just lift us up. It should charge us. It's, uh, It's our source of power. We should glory in nothing else. We, we should glory in nothing else. Right? What else do we have to be, you know, when we realize what God did for us in salvation, was it by any of our good works? Is there anything that we can boast about in our own salvation? There is nothing. There's nothing that we can. I said this before, when we get to heaven, there's nobody there going to say, this is how I got here on my own talent or ability. No, it's, we're all going to get there the same way. Through Jesus Christ and Him alone. It takes away all the pride. takes away anything that we could glory in. Save Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. Look, that's our first and main priority here at the church. is to glorify Jesus Christ, to lift Him up. As the bride of Christ, as we've become one with Christ through salvation, To lift Him up and glorify Him is our calling. Thinking the cross of Christ, you can't help but think of our forgiveness and the great grace of God. And that should cause us to love like He loved others. Just like we talked about the other day, forgiving, why? Because we've been forgiven. (laughs) We should love, why? Because we're loved. We should have grace. Why? Because of His grace on us. You know how God loved us? And how God loves us? is unconditionally. Does He not? Do you feel that? That you are loved of God unconditionally. Unconditional love. It's not, it's not based... Our fellowship with Him may be based on, on repentance and forgiveness. Uh, but but our, His love for us is unconditional. The cross of Christ will influence us. I think of the cross of Christ and that word enthusiastic or enthusiasm. It's literally from the Greek words theos and in is, is God in us. When we think of the cross of Christ, you know what it should do for us? It should bring a life of passion. In Acts chapter 1, it talked about the passion of the Christ, talking about His, his death for us. And when we look at the cross of Christ, you know what it should do for us? It should make us live a passionate life. 
a passionate life toward others. You know, when we tell the gospel message, when we tell others of the cross of Calvary, it does help to be passionate about it, doesn't it? It becomes a little more persuasive. And I'm not talking about being a false passion. I'm not talking about putting a fake face on it. I'm talking about studying and looking at the cross of Christ until it fills you up to overflowing. And then, and then witness and, and tell others the good news of Jesus Christ out of an overflow. Not out of a, not out of a I have to, but out of a I can't help but. I, I want to. I, I'm, I, I got something so good here that I, I, I want to tell somebody else about it. Especially those that I love. And as I look at others that don't have any hope, I think, I, I do have hope. I, I do know, you know, I do know how I can have my guilt taken care of, how I can have my eternity secure. I, I do know how I can have a relationship with God. That brings passion. As we consider the cross this morning, we consider His crucifixion and how He was beaten for us. You all know the story. I'm not going to read through in the Gospels as he, as the, the Bible says He was beaten for our sakes and punched and all the things that were done unto Him. I think of his humiliation. God, the creator of the universe, hanging there, humiliated, hated, the Bible said, despised and rejected of man. Why did he do that? He did it for us. He did it because he loved us. Allow the cross of Jesus Christ to, to empower you, to fill you today. Allow his sacrifice on the cross. Don't live under bondage at all. Don't. That's what he was telling the church at Galatia. He was saying, don't be put under the law. You would, Look, I said that the cross of Jesus Christ stands between us and the law. In order for us to have to put ourselves under the law, we'd have to go around the cross. We'd have to go around grace. We'd have to go around it and put ourselves under the law. That's what the problem with the church of Lydia was, Paul, since you've been set free, don't put yourself back under bondage. Allow the cross of Christ to help us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. We're going to sing at Calvary. Dear Lord, I pray that you would. I pray that your work would be done in all our hearts. I pray that this message is not the end, but God, that it would, it, there would be something inside of us that would stir us up for the rest of this week. Lord, I pray that maybe you would be able to give us uh, an opportunity to tell some others the good news of Jesus Christ this week and that we would do it with passion. God, help us to not be put under bondage. Help us not to live in guilt when you've already taken our sin and our punishment. God, help us to be set free from any of these things that may be holding us back. God, I pray that we would be a people that could just uh, just say all, all that I have the glory in. I don't glory in myself. I don't glory in my spiritual achievements, my worldly achievements. I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ and Paul the Apostle. God, help us to be a people that can praise you and lift you up, Lord, and see you high and lifted up, looking unto you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Help us this week, God, to live in this and to have this message stir our hearts to change us in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.